Good morning. I just want to say my, my name's Dave, and I just want to kind of extend a really warm welcome, particularly if you're visiting us today. It's, it's great to have you here uh, and worship God amongst us. Um, today, as far as I'm aware, is going to be kind of the final uh, preach on unity. I mean, we're gonna, obviously going to have it again at some point, probably. But in terms of our series that we started uh, way back in January, actually. And um, so this is kind of um, the end of our... Yeah, the end of our preach together on unity. We're going to be looking at um, Acts 6, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. But before we do that, let's pray, shall we? Father God, there is, there is none like you and none besides you. You alone are God, the one true living God the one whom we worship here this morning. And Lord, as we come to look at your word, may you reveal your truth to us. May you plant a seed in our hearts that will grow and bear fruit so that what we, what we listen to, what we see today, uh, may not end here, but may continue to work out through our lives, bringing glory to you. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen. So, um, <clears throat> unity, despite disagreement, is is that possible? Can we be united and disagree with each other? Or can we have a disagreement and then be united afterwards? Have you ever had a disagreement with someone within the church? Yeah? Or maybe, maybe even the church itself. Maybe you've, you've had an issue with the church. Maybe not even be this church. It might be another church. And as a result of that disagreement, you're now here. So did you leave? Did you... Or did you hope that they would leave? <laughs> did, you, did you stir up trouble? Did you complain to them? Or did you complain to everyone else about them? Hoping to get others on your side. Did you confront them? Did you make some delicious food, invite them round to your house and say, let's have a meal together? and sort this out. What's your reaction to a disagreement? What's the, what's the way forward with all this stuff? You see, there are many options. We can choose how we react to something we don't like, how we react to someone who disappoints us or lets us down, or we can choose how we react to um, my preaching, even. We have a choice. <laughs> And it is a choice. We can choose a path of reconciliation and grace. Or we can choose a path of division and grumbling. We have a choice. So let's read um, 
chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews amongst them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The situation was that a lot more people were becoming followers of Jesus. The numbers were increasing rapidly. Not just the locals, but people now from further afield were coming to be part of what's going on. And in this particular passage, we, we're made aware of two groups. There's the, um, the Hellenistic Jews. And um, they are a group who are uh, Greek-speaking. And they also are likely to have adopted quite a lot of the Greek culture, without throwing away their, their Jewish heritage or their Jewish roots, but they would have adopted a lot of the Greek culture. Greek was the international language spoken in the, um, in the Eastern Mediterranean at that time, and is likely to have been their first language. They may, they may have spoken a bit of Aramaic and, and Hebrew as well, but maybe not. And also, this group is likely to have heard about Jesus through others, unless they're ones that are particularly living in Jerusalem. The second group were the Hebraic Jews. They, um, they spoke... Hebrew, or, um, but mainly Aramaic, and were very much part of the local culture. They, were, they would class themselves as locals. They would know the ins and outs of what's going on in the town. They would be the people that um, would say, you're not from around here, are you? <laughs> they would be those people. And it's likely that they would have had first-hand um, experience of Jesus and the apostles. So we have these two groups. But there was a problem. And the problem was unfair distribution. So the, the Hebraic Jews were in the daily round of, um, it says food in, in, in my Bible, but there isn't, the, the, the word food doesn't actually exist in the Greek, it just says daily distribution. And so we assume it's food because that's something we need daily, isn't it? 
Um, and the, the Hebrew Jews, were, were, they were getting their, their fill, they were getting what was needed. And the Hellenistic Jews were missing out. There was some, something wrong there, some, some oversight, um, meaning that they weren't getting what they needed. So that was the problem. The consequence of this problem was grumbling. Grumbling. We like to do that, don't we, when there's a problem. We like to grumble about it. Um, it's, it goes on all the time. Um, I'm, I'm sure I've done it, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but it says that they complained against the Hebraic Jews. They complained against them. But it's, it, it, again, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult way. We then understand it as something like, um, they, they just say, oh, I've got, I've got a problem with what's going on. They, they, they're a bit more direct. But the actual, what's going on here, again, is pretty indirect. It's more of a mumbling and a grumbling than a direct complaint. The, the word used for complaint here only appears one more time in the New Testament. And in that particular place, it's, it's um, translated as whispering. So it's about grumbling behind their backs. It's about not being direct. And this is what's going on here. One group are moaning, probably amongst themselves, about the other group. Those upstairs people. <laughs> they're, they're getting more than us. It's not fair. It's more like that than kind of like, hey, why, why are you getting more than us? It's not fair. So it's much more the former than the latter. But if you have a problem with someone, there is actually a, a biblical precedent of what to do with it. And that's in uh, Matthew 18. Uh, verses 15 to 17. I'm not going to spend long on this particular bit, but I, but I think it's worth mentioning. Um, and it says this, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Oh, well, that's great. I'm just going, I'm a sinner. You're doing something wrong. Oh, but it continues. Go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So if there's any tax collectors here... No, if you treat them as a pagan or a tax collector, it's about you, you reject them from being your brother or sister in Christ. That's, that's what's being said. So what do you do? Well, you talk to them. Don't talk about them. You talk to them. It's about direct communication about the issue. You can get help from others. Um, and I think in our um, kind of church... Um, Thing and how we're supposed to do things is get help from your leadership. 
And if that doesn't work, then it becomes come to the church meeting. You don't want it to get that far. But this is actually more about um, if you see someone sinning. Whereas what's going on here is, well, is it really that? Is it not just a, a kind of a legitimate grumbling about being overlooked with what's going on? You see, it was the widows that were being overlooked. They were unlikely to have had an income, these widows. Widows um, in those times, well, in biblical times, um, they had certain rights, one of which was to be able to have the leftovers from the harvest. And at harvest time, the idea was that they'd be able to pick up enough leftovers that it would then see them through to the next harvest. Now, that's a lot of leftovers for someone to pick up. That includes the grain harvest. It also includes the grape harvest and any other harvest they had the right to, which is why the people were then instructed not to strip the whole field like we do these days, but leave some for others in need. So they had that right. And they were also, widows were supposed to be cared for by the community, which is great. So God had laid out provision for these widows to be cared for. However, what happened to these widows, you see, is they decided to become followers of Jesus. Therefore, they've chosen to be part of a different community. They decide to step out from the legalistic Jewish community into the Christian community. So, technically, they, according to Jewish culture, they would then forego their rights for food. They would no longer be able to be cared for by the Jewish community. So the Christian community had to take that on board themselves. They had to do that work. So imagine, imagine, you know, we get excited, and it, we should when someone comes to know Jesus, because Jesus is worth knowing. But imagine if there was a cost. Okay, so you, you, all these people coming to Jesus, but now we have to house them because they're no longer eligible to be living in their own place because of the culture they come from. Now we have to feed them. Can we do that as a community? We don't have that problem here. We may well do in the future, who knows? But are we, are we, willing, are we willing to give up our homes, our food, or whatever it is, for someone else in need? Are we prepared to do that? Are we prepared to pay the cost of having needy people amongst us? Because there is one. It, it messes with our comfort. And this was a cost that the um, apostles and the disciples at that time were discovering. More and more people coming to to know Jesus. And, it, and it's great. The numbers were increasing. At the end of Acts 5, it says this, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus, that Jesus is the Messiah. There's fruit from that. The consequence of that is more and more and more and more and more people are going to come. And it creates problems. And I think this... Um, problem that was here. I don't, I personally, 
I don't believe it was intentional. I don't think that one group was thinking, we're better than that group, we want all the food. I, my personal take is, I think it was simply uh, an oversight, an unawareness. Probably there weren't even enough people to distribute the food. But other people argue against that. Um, some people say it's, uh, um, it's, it's, the, you know, it's a, the first um, example of the church being racist because there's one group getting um, the food and the one group not. But I, I would disagree with that. But that's just my personal take. So there are, I think, three, um, I suppose, unintentional divisions that we can see in this, in this passage. Um, one is this, language. Language being the things that we say. So these two groups, they, uh, they spoke different languages. Their way of communicating was different. Um, I mean, we have, a, we have a Portuguese congregation as part of our church here. Uh, we know that the language they speak is different from ours. Um, but they also speak some English, and some of us here, um, very few of us here, uh, speak some Portuguese. And it creates a barrier. It makes, it makes that communication... Um, difficult sometimes um, and can sometimes create problems and they're not intentional problems they're often unintentional problems they're just problems that arise because we use different language but sometimes also the language we use amongst ourselves can cause unintentional division so it might be that um, you use very eloquent language when you pray I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it might make someone else feel inadequate, that they're unable to pray because they can't pray like you. I'm not saying you have to change how you pray. I'm just saying that we need to be able to understand that language makes a difference to, to how we are with each other. Um, there was a time when uh, we, we, were, we were in Brazil and um, we hadn't been there long, and probably actually only a month. And my understanding of Brazilian Portuguese was very poor then. And I needed a dentist appointment because I had a problem with one of my teeth. Went to the dentist. And uh, he, uh, he kind of was able to communicate in a way that I could understand. He didn't speak any English, but that I needed a filling. I understood that much. And then he got this kind of syringe thing and was going to, you know, um, showed me that he was going to inject me with this stuff. Um, to numb my, my mouth. So he did, he injected me, and then he said, uh, doi. Now I had no idea what he meant. So I just kind of smiled and, and nodded. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he went, okay. And he, and he put a bit more in. He went, doi. I went, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and, he, and then he kind of put a bit more in, and then he sort of touched my cheek and went like that, and then, doi. I like, and um, when I'd finished the procedure, I said, I came out and saw Becky. I said, Becky, do you know what doi means? And she said, uh, oh, he's asking you if it still hurts. <laughs> and so what had happened, I had a whole, the whole of my head was numb <laughs> because I had a, just a ridiculous amount of anesthetic going on. In, in, and I, it was very weird. And it's because I didn't understand. 
Sometimes our lack of understanding causes pain, and in this case it caused numbness. <laughs> but the language we use can, can cause uh, and does cause unintentional division. Another thing which very much fits in as part of language is culture. Um, and we, we actually have a variety of different cultures here. And I'm not thinking specifically of people who are from uh, the UK and people who are from outside of the UK. I'm thinking we have actually what are known as micro-cultures. And they, they can uh, depend on age, they can depend on experience, they can depend upon the language we use as well. Um, for example, cups of tea. Now, um, cups of tea are argued about a lot, aren't they? Is it, is it better to have it in a cup and saucer, or is it better in a mug? Is it better to have it in a teapot, or should we just put the bag in and add the water? How much milk do you have? Oh, I only want a little bit. Oh, no, I like it really milky. And we can... And it's, we have different ways of doing things because of the, the, the culture that we come from. Um, I like my tea stronger than I used to. I, don't, I think it's an age thing. <laughs> but there can be subtle things. You can actually upset somebody by making their tea wrong. I know. I mean, we laugh about it, don't we? But it shouldn't be the case. It really shouldn't. We should be grateful that someone's made us a cup of tea. And so, you know, then that's, a, that's a really, really small thing. It's a really small, insignificant thing. So we need to work on the detail as well as the big things. We were, we were weeding um, a driveway the other day and it had lots of big weeds in it, and we were pulling them out, and, and you end up with this big pile of weeds. And then you look again at a driveway, and you see all these little weeds. And so when you take all the big stuff out, there's still stuff there. There's still the detail that we need to sort out. Another unintentional division is um, being unaware of need around us, like what's happening in here. Or... Failing, failing to declare the need that we do have. There's no point in me having a need and just thinking, oh, no one's, gonna, no one's helping me, and then grumbling to others, oh, no one's helping me, because nobody knows. And so what I'm doing, I'm getting annoyed because I feel that the, the church isn't helping me out because I deserve to be helped by the church because I'm part of the church, and yet the church hasn't a clue about the need. Or... There's actually people in need amongst us. And we are aware of the need, but we choose for some reason not to do anything about it. That we're able to, whereas we actually are able to do something. So sometimes need can be unintentional as well as an unintentional cause of division amongst us. So, what do we do about it? How is it sorted out here? Well, we need, to, we need to communicate, don't we? We need to talk with one another. 
and um, spending time with each other is actually really good as well. Getting to know one another. Um, Mike already mentioned it uh, this morning in the notices, um, but on Bank Holiday Monday, there's um, the Brazilian, uh, not Brazilian, the Portuguese congregation. We're going to have a barbecue. Um, it's, it'll basically be a meat fest. It'll, there'll be so much meat there. They want to know how many people are coming um, because um, they don't want to waste money. That's why, because it costs them, it will cost them about five or six pounds a head, which is quite, quite a lot of money. And, um, but it's a great opportunity to meet with each other and meet with them on Bank Holiday Monday. It's, it's a great opportunity, because then we can get to know each other better. We spend time with each other. And then we get to understand why we're different a bit more we can um, become more gracious towards one another. Um, there's a little verse I found this morning when I was reading, and I thought, oh, that'll fit nicely. Um, yeah, it's in, in 1 Peter 3, verse 8. It says this, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. So how we react to disagreement um, actually makes a difference as to whether we are blessed or not, interestingly. And the other aspect of how we, what we do with this kind of, these unintentional divisions and all of that kind of thing, is to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a bit like what um, Nigel was saying about 100 pianos being tuned to the same tuning fork, and about actually as we come to Christ more as we grow in his grace, then actually the consequence of that is being more united anyway. So, um, requirements to be a waiter. What's on the job description here? Being full of the spirit and full of wisdom. Imagine that, you're going for a job. And it just said in the job description, you need to be full of the spirit and full of wisdom. And you think, but all I'm going to do is wait on tables. But that's not what's going on here. It's not waiting on tables. You need wisdom to understand. I learned this from Becky, who, who manages a cafe in Norwich. You need wisdom to understand how to distribute food fairly and make sure people have what they need. You need to be full of the Spirit to be able to hear and see what God is doing in the moment. So it doesn't become just about waiting on tables. It becomes about interacting with the people that you are distributing the food to. It comes, it's much more about showing Christ to them and being Christ with them and for them. And 
these people, um, the seven that were chosen, they all had Greek names. So it's likely they were chosen from the Hellenistic group. So they, the Hellenistic group had the problem, and so the seven were chosen from that group to be responsible for the, both groups. What a, what a great decision. And everyone was happy with that. And you also get on-the-job training. We learn as we go, don't we, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Once we step out in faith and have a go at something, we, we learn ne either never to do that again or to keep going and know that actually God is with us and it is kind of fun praying for people. And then, of course, when, once those seven were chosen, the apostles could then carry on with what they were supposed to be doing. And that was being uh, ministers of the word and praying. And as a result of that, many priests became followers of Jesus. And so it's also about one of the aspects of being united together as a church is about making sure that the right people are in the right places doing the things they should be doing. A while ago, we did that, um, those, um, fi the five-fold ministry thing. You remember that? Yeah? We may, we may revisit that at some point um, with this in mind. So we've come to um, the end of our series on uh, unity. Um, that also means I'm coming to the end of my preach, so it's okay. Um, but there's a great verse in Colossians, in particularly in the message version, which says uh, this. Yeah, it's big enough to read. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe Peoples and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. So really, uh, that's where it's from. Uni unity is found in Christ. If we want unity, unity is found in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that um, despite our disagreements, in you we are one. That despite um, the pain that we, we sometimes suffer ourselves or see others going through, in you we are still one. Despite some of us being a bit weird and some of us 
thinking we're normal. In you, we are one. Lord, you are amazing. May you draw us closer to yourself so we can be closer to each other. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.